0: So if you've heard of Jesus, you probably know about one of his famous teachings called the Golden Rule. Do to others what you would want them to do to you. And this, actually, is a restatement of something else that Jesus said, that the meaning of life is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's really beautiful, but what does he mean exactly by the word love? It's an unclear word in English, because you can love your mom and you can love pizza. And if the word love means the same thing in both of those cases, your mom's going to feel real bad. So what did Jesus mean in his language? Well, first of all, this love your neighbor phrase is a quotation from the Hebrew scriptures where the word for love is Ahava. However, the language Jesus spoke and taught in from day to day it was a cousin language of Hebrew that is Aramaic in which the word for love is Rahmah. But then, as Jesus' followers spread his teachings around the world, they translated them into Greek using the word agape. But here is what is fascinating. The earliest followers of Jesus who wrote the books of the New Testament in Greek, they did not learn the meaning of agape by looking it up in ancient dictionaries. Rather, they looked to the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life to redefine their very concept of love. So, one time Jesus was asked about the most important command in the Jewish scriptures. and He first quoted from the ancient prayer in the Torah called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So, love for God is the most important thing. But then Jesus quickly followed up by saying another command from the Torah was also the most important, to love your neighbor as yourself. So, which is the most important, loving God or loving your neighbor? Jesus' answer is yes. To ask the question means you do not get his point. For Jesus, they are two sides of the same coin. Your love for God will be expressed by your love for people and vice versa, they are inseparable. And so this makes it clear that for Jesus, agape love is not primarily a feeling for someone else that happens to you. Like our phrase, I fell in love. For Jesus, love is action. It is a choice that you make to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. Jesus also went on to teach that genuine love for God and others means seeking people's well-being without expecting anything in return, especially from people who are in difficult situations who can't repay you even if they wanted to. According to Jesus, this kind of generous love reflects the very heartbeat of God. And he took this even further. Jesus said that the ultimate standard of authentic love is how well you treat the person that you can't stand. Or in his words, you shall love your enemy and do good to them expecting more. Nothing in return. For Jesus, this kind of enemy embracing love imitates the very character of God himself. Now, we wouldn't be talking about Jesus still today if he had only said things like love your enemy. This is how he actually lived. Jesus was constantly helping and serving the people around him in very practical and tangible ways. And he consistently moved towards poor and hurting people who couldn't benefit him in return. He showed love for the forgotten ones, the people who usually fall through the cracks. And when Jesus eventually marched into Jerusalem, he made himself an enemy of the leaders of his people by accusing them of hypocrisy and corruption. But then instead of attacking his enemies to overthrow them, he allowed them to kill him. Jesus died for the selfishness and corruption of his enemies because he loved them. After Easter morning, Jesus and then his followers claimed that it was the power of God's love for the world that was revealed in Jesus' life, death and resurrection. As the Apostle Paul put it, God demonstrated his own agape for us in this. While we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us. Or in the words of the apostle John, God's own agape was revealed when he sent his one and only son into the world so that through him we could have life. And for John then, this leads naturally to the conclusion, beloved ones, if that is how God has loved us, then we ought to show love for one another. So Christian faith involves trusting that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for his world. Which means that the purpose of human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus and then to give it back out to others. Creating an ecosystem of others focused self-giving love. And that is the New Testament meaning of agape love.
1: Amen. (laughs) You're all like, sweet, we're getting out of here early today. (laughs) Well, my name is Jeff, like you may have heard this morning. Uh, It's good to be with you guys today. Uh, Some of you might not recognize me because I've been hiding in the back rooms of the church for the last eight years. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I've been doing kids and youth ministry here at Life Center for the last eight years. And just recently, uh, I've transitioned to do... Uh, OSB, our life training courses here, as well as our mission and outreach focus here at Life Center. And so that's just a a new endeavor for me, which also means I get to hang out with you guys more often on Sunday mornings, which is great. Thank you. Thank you. you. You are more than welcome to have my presence. All right. So we've been doing this best summer ever series, and last week you guys got like a combination knockout punch from Pastor Lori. How many people were here last week for this, this service? Wasn't that awesome? It was. It was really great. Pastor Lori was like, no, I'm not preaching one message. I'm preaching two messages in one Sunday because I'm not good. That's what she was like. Well, at least that's what she explained to us in the office during the week. I am going to stick with one message today, because uh, if, you, if you knew me from speaking in youth at all, the youth would be like, listen, you can't handle speaking one message in the right amount of time, let alone trying to I hear a preach in the back over there. All right. Well, we've been talking about this, and last week we talked about Shema and Lord, right? We talked about how the, the word Shema is, is this active listening. This, it's not just, I, I heard what you said. Right? But it's, it's, I heard what you said, and now I'm, I'm caused to act on that. Right? And we do that because of that next word that Pastor Laurie talked about, Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord. Because we serve a God whose preeminence is above everything else. When he says, hey, Jeff, I should listen. And it's not just a, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but it's a, I should listen and act upon what you say. And it's amazing that when we do that, we can come into alignment with what God has. And it can be, like we've been talking about, the best summer ever. Because we are getting our hearts and our spirits in tune with what God wants to say to us. And my prayer this morning is that we continue on with that as we start looking at love. I remember when I was... Uh, a young, I think probably around 17, 16, 17. Um, the church I was growing up in, everything like that, we used to go to these big conventions, and that they, they still hold them for our denomination. They used to be in Kingston on, at Queen's University. And they would fill the uh, the hockey arena with lots of uh, you know youth that are fervently trying to follow Jesus and everything like that. And part of the weekend was these, like, uh, I don't know what you call it, like an arts competition where people would sing or do drama or like whatever, and they'd have all these competitions just as far as expressing yourself uh, for God through the arts and things like that. And I remember one year, I was competing in this thing, and it was like this. We used to call, this is way back before YouTube was around, right? And so we called them human videos, right? Because there was nothing else, you weren't scrolling on your phone, doing anything like that. We, We called these things, these dramatizations, human videos, where you'd act out what was being played uh, on a music track or something like that. And this this one I was doing for, on that occasion, I was standing there. I started with my back to the audience and just a spotlight on me. And as I was doing it, I had my hands around me like this, like I was hugging somebody and we were kind of making out, right? And I was going like this, and my hand would slide down towards my bum, all right? And, and, it was, and then I'd pull my other hand over and then pull it back up again, like, you know, like, no, you can't do that, right? And the cheers, the cheers from the audience, every time my hand would drop down like it was good, they were like, Like, And I was like, that's really awkward. And then, especially because the whole point of the video, this human video I was doing was, is that when we give our love to the wrong things, instead of giving our love to Jesus, and then him giving us our heart back, it doesn't end well, right? But the biggest cheers I was getting was for when I was trying to like, you know, feel my own bump. And I was like, this is... Uh, This is not the reaction I anticipated from this this arena full of young Christian people. I should have known better. I should have known better. But, you know, love is a complicated thing. It really is complicated. And C.S. Lewis, uh, a great theologian and fantasy uh, writer, uh, wrote this in a book called The Four Loves. He wrote this, To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Sorry, pet lovers. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Now, I know none of us really like to be vulnerable or to potentially risk pain or something like that. But just as there are different types of love, which we'll explore this morning, there are different types of pain that love can cause. And the goal isn't to live a pain-free, risk-free life because we can't guarantee that we're going to have those beautiful experiences of being accepted without the risk of being rejected. Sometimes pain is a reminder of what has happened to us. Maybe somebody's hurt us. Maybe we've been rejected. Maybe there's brokenness in our lives because we opened ourselves up to love and it didn't work out the way we thought it was. Sometimes pain is a reminder of those that you have loved and maybe lost. Those that we grieve that are no longer with us. And that pain is real and it hurts, but it's kind of a good pain because we opened ourselves up and we loved so deeply and we cared so much and it was beautiful. And that's, that's the kind of pain that can be there because we open ourselves up. In the Shema, the word for love is ahava, which we saw in the video, and which can be complicated because love means so many things, like you pointed out. All right? Like how many of you loved this summer weather that we've been having this week? Yeah? Finally been able to go outside and not have to have a sweater on or a coat on. I remember reading the, like the, the news weather and stuff like that, and then predicting that, to, that in eastern Ontario and eastern Canada, it was going to be a cooler and wetter summer than normal. And then the following week, we have a Humidex of 40. Um, nobody knows what's going on, right? But we love this nice warm sev- summer weather, especially when it's 25 weeks till Christmas, Right? I know, I had to say that, right? Do you love me? Yeah? (laughs) Well, like I said in the video, how many people here love pizza? Anybody? Okay, you guys don't really like pizza? Okay, who likes pizza pizza? Anybody like pizza pizza? Not so much, right? Okay, what about Pizza Hut? Anybody like the deep, oily pizza? I see a couple of hands. Gabriel's, is this a Gabriel's crowd? Yeah, okay, a little bit more. I, I, I like Gabriel's, but I really like Louis' pizza. Yeah, okay, there we go. Louis' pizza. The, you need one slice of that and you just, you're, yeah, you're done. It's so, so rich and heavy. All right. How many people here like music? How many of you love music? I know. You must because you come here on a Sunday morning and our music is awesome. Our worship team does, an ab- does a beautiful job. You love music, but how many people here love classical music? A few. Country. All right. How many people love hip-hop? All right. Anybody like death metal? I don't have the hair for death metal, I can't get it like going or anything like that. All right. How about dancing? Anybody like dancing? Yeah? A couple of little salsa dancers out there, right? How about line dancers? I can't do that at all. Break dancers? All right. Okay. How about this? How about the sports? How many Toronto Maple Leaf fans out there? Uh, Listen, all you Sens fans, you guys just hired half of the Leafs team, all right? So relax about hating on the Leafs. You just signed a bunch of their players and coaches. Okay, how about this one? How about this one? Kawhi Leonard! (laughs) That's the pain I was talking about earlier, right? We love him when he wins us a championship, but when he signs with the Clippers, it's like, get out of here. Do you guys remember maybe maybe you were like me on the playground in school and stuff like that? People would say, Oh, I love this so much. And the common refrain from when I was a kid was, Well, if you love it so much, why don't you marry it? Right? You guys hear that, and then you just the frustration of like, oh, why would I marry pizza? Right? And some of you guys may wish you could marry pizza, you love it so much. But the thing is here, my point is, is I hope that our love for things is a little bit more nuanced and complicated than we just, we just love. We love pizza, we love food, we love friends, we love family, we love our spouse, we love our kids, all the same. It just, it just doesn't quite work that way, right? It can't work that way, it shouldn't work that way. And today in the video we heard a little bit about agape love, all right? And we're gonna, we're gonna circle back around to there, but I wanna talk about all the different four types of love that are described in the Bible. Specifically in the New Testament, we read about these different types of love. And there's four Greek words that they use in the New Testament to talk about love. And the first one is eros. Eros. Now, this is is the love that is about physical, sensual intimacy between a husband and wife. It expresses the the, uh, sexual and romantic attraction. Eros is also the name of the mythological Greek god of love and of sexual desire and physical attraction and all that. And like we discussed during our controversial Jesus talk on sexuality, Eros love in the Bible affirms that sexuality is a part of our human experience. We are sexual beings. God called us to honor him with our bodies. And within the boundaries of marriage, Eros love is to be celebrated as a part of God's design, a gift of his goodness for procreation and enjoyment. Now, here's what's crucial to get about this one expression of love. It's like if there was a Cupid going around actually shooting people with arrows, right, helping them to experience love, then he's a really bad shot, like a horrible shot, right? Because love is so much fuller of expression than, you know, being shot and looking across the room and then like hearts going up and a heart playing and going... I found her. You know, it's more than that. Uh, that's called, I kind of call that like Disney love, right? Where they, they skip through life singing songs, wondering when they're going to meet their soulmate, and they're just like, you know, it's destined to happen. And, but that's kind of this, this fantasy land that kind of creates. If it was just that type of love, if it was some type of love that we just fall into, all right? And it's so much more, there's so much more to love than that. And if we, if we reduce love to only eros love, then we exclude a lot of people from experiencing love. And that's something that Jesus never did. And something the Bible would never ask us to do is to shut people out from love. And you think about it, if that eros love, if that romantic love was the only type of love expression you could have, if there was a love expression that was based upon how you, you reacted when you saw somebody, and where you go, well, wow, they're beautiful, they're 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 a pretty person, I'm, I'm kind of attracted to them. If that was it, then there's a lot of people that would be excluded from that. I mean, think of just the different things that we liked from pizza and everything like that. It's so subjective. That love that, of attraction, that love of, of things that we're drawn to. And we can't limit to love to that. And the other expressions of love, I dare say, they're different, but not only are they different, they're probably deeper than that, right? They're most likely deeper. And they're, they're if again, if we go back to the Cupid, drawing that arrow and shooting, he's hitting like an outer ring of the target. He's getting five points for his shot at best. And the closer we get to that agape love, the closer in on a target that we're actually going to be able to hit. And so that second ring on that target that we'd be looking at is a love called storge. You want to say that with me? Storge. All right? That's a great word. And it's a term for love in the Bible that you may not be quite familiar with. And the Greek word describes this as a family love. It's an affectionate bond between, and that develops naturally between parents and children, brothers and sisters. It's a love that appears altruistic in that you love them just because they're a part of your family. Not because of what they have done for you. Not because of something you've, you see in them that is so enduring. They're your family. You love them. Your family can drive you crazy. Right? You can have family members that, you know, like, you, they just like, eh, you're like, ah. but you love them anyway. You're not going to kick them out. You're not going to, you, you love them. No matter how much they can be infuriating. Right? And you wonder, why do I keep loving them? Why do I still, like, what is it about them that they can, they can, you know, I, I've got six kids, right, so I know storge, you know, because <laughs> they, they, they can push your buttons, right? Kids can push your buttons, and at the end of the day, you're still like, they are the best kids ever. They're better than all your other kids, right? Because if, of that, that storge, that love that is a family love that is so close and connects you and holds you, all right? But its strength, its strength is also its limitation, right? Because that love ends where your family ends. That same same love for people, no matter what they do and no matter what they say, isn't extended to the person driving the car in front of you that just cut you off, right? You're not giving them that that same love that you're giving your family, right? It has its limitations. And... uh. Paul, when teaching the church in Rome about the marks of what a true Christian says, this. He says, let agape be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, storge one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Now there's a lot of things in there. There's honor and hope and patience and and being consistent and contributing and showing hospitality. There's a lot of things that make up that love. But notice what is, is spoken in there. There's not one mention of eros. There's not one mention of if you're, if you're connected to them, if, if, you, if you're like, you know, if you're like, ah, oh, that's a beautiful person, I think I'll help them out. If, if, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that in there. It's, it's agape and it's storge. It's agape and it's storge. David Bennett wrote this. He said, love has many commonalities. But a part of what makes the human experience so rich is the multiplicity of loves that we experience. A friend's faithfulness and a total stranger's act of compassion are both touching and wonderful, but they are not the same. They cannot be, and they should not be. Love, I have come to learn, is not God. Flip that. God is love. The God-revealed love in Jesus Christ is the definition of love. This difference changes everything. Now, this brings us to one of the more common types of love that we see in Scripture. One ring closer on our target to hitting that, that perfect love that we speak of from God. And this love is called philia. All right, You want to try that one? Philia. All right? That's like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That should give you a hint of, of the type we're talking about here. Right, It's a type of intimate love uh, in the Bible that most Christians are supposed to practice with each other. This term, this Greek term, describes the powerful emotional bond seen in deep friendships. The best way to articulate this is with the word like dear. All right? When you say somebody is a dear friend, Right, and this is my, my dear friend, Bryn. All right, and you say something like that, it, it speaks to a connection that you want to, you want to share with other people. Right, and you want to say, he has particular value and meaning to my life. Even though he's not, my, not in my family, he has that value to me. All right, we don't usually refer to our, our biological brother or sister as dear. Right, I don't refer to my sister as, this is my sister, dear Rachel. Right? Or this is my dear sister, Rachel. It's kind of implied that your family is close to you. Right? But this type of love is that extra love that goes beyond that says, you know what? You're not a part of my family. You're not, you're not in that storge love that I love you no matter what. That it's just there. It's that next level right? of a dear friend. It's a family word like storge, but it isn't reserved for family. It's a wider family, like the family of God. All right? I heard a saying when uh, I was younger that it's kind of stuck with me and that I kind of use a lot. And it says this, friends are the family you choose for yourself. Friends are the family you choose for yourself. And that's where this filial love comes in. It's a brotherly love. It's a love that says you're, you're adopted into my family and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going I'm to love you like this. And when we get it right in church, that's what we experience we experience that connection, this becomes a family. It's not just a building. It's not just a collection of people that come together. It's not just a group that have a common uh, idea or a common purpose in our lives that we, we somehow meet together. It's not like going to a sporting event where we're going to cheer on a team. We're here together because we've decided as a family to to work out our salvation together. To work out how we follow Jesus the best we can together. Because we know we're better together. We know that we can hold each other tighter to who God says we should be and who we can be in him. And when we get this wrong in church, it's absence, that filet of love. When it's missing, it can be the, the pain that we experience in church. Where we come and we're expecting that filet of love and it's not there. And we want to try and experience that. We want to try to bring that love to who we are. And this is why Peter, uh, one of Jesus' first disciples, left us with these words. He said this, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Now this is interesting. Uh, Paul Another uh, contemporary of Peter, an early empowering church leader, says to a young up-and-coming leader named Timothy, and he says this about the signs of the end times, which which actually started at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit began to empower the church, not at Y2K or anything like that. It's been going all since that time that Jesus has been talking about the end times. And we can still apply this to our uh, partisan and polarizing culture today. Listen to what he says in 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. But understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty, right? For people will be philea of self, philea of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good. Treacherous, reckless, swollen, without conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. The other references for love that you said there that just say lovers of pleasure and lovers of God, they are the same Greek word as the first one, the phileia. It's the same thing. Um, just want to make sure you, you understood that we weren't using a different different love in that, or he wasn't implying a different love. But notice a pattern at the end of times there, in this deep, intimate love that we're supposed to share with each other, that we're supposed to have with each other. This complete love with friendship and, and emotional bonds, which is supposed to be experienced in community. Instead of being lived out in community, it turns inward. It turns selfish. One commentary has described philea love as an intentional alignment or a synchronicity. And if we're supposed to have that alignment and synchronicity with each other, if we're supposed to come together and work towards uh, our, our, the kingdom of God being realized in our midst, if that's what we're trying to do, and instead love is being turned inward to a love of self, a love of money, a love of pleasure... What is dear to our hearts, what is dear to us, if it's actually centered on us and not on others and not on God's kingdom vision, it produces the opposite of what is intended. It makes us heartless. It closes us off to what God actually intended for our lives and for each other. If I were to do that, if I were to align myself, not with everybody else here, but just myself and go my own way. If I were to align myself with money and, and only pursuing what money could get me and what money offers me. If I were to just align myself with pleasure and what pleasure could bring, then I'm closed off to all of you. Because instead of me having that alignment and synchronicity with you, it's with these immaterial things that are going to get me nowhere. Heartless. Heartless. Now, if you were to think of our target that we've been talking about, of love, and how it's gone from eros into that storge and into that philea, and it leads us into the center of our target. Because eros, that very subjective love, because what we all find beautiful and attractive is unique to each and every one of us. To storge, a love of family that we all find ourselves in. Philea, the love of friendship and family that we choose to give value to. And then the fourth love, agape. Agape is the highest of the four types of love in the Bible. It defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. It is the divine love that comes from God. Agape love is perfect. It's unconditional, sacrificial, and pure. We heard it a couple times already this morning that's been resonating through our service. In what Toju spoke during her hosting piece, in what Pastor Jason shared during communion, what we, what we remember every month when we take communion the unconditional love that God has for us. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that when we talk about. Uh, the Shema and listening and active and, and a love, uh, listening that actually does something. That this isn't something that, that God just pushes towards us. It's something that is a part of who he is. Because from, from his throne, he listened and he heard and he acted on the love that we needed. And it's so beautiful how it's been expressed that it isn't a love that he could say with words, with four words or five words in different, different words in the Bible, but he had to express it through action. He had to say, I'm not going to tell you about love. I'm going to come and show you love. I'm actually going to come and be love for you. It's absolutely so beautiful that we serve a God. We have a God who is so willing to show us who he is and show us that love. Agape love is so much more than emotion. It goes so much farther than that. It's more than feelings or sentiment. It isn't subjective. It, doesn't, it isn't ruled by DNA connection. It isn't choosing particular people. It's an unconditional love for all. Agape love is active It's demonstrated through your actions. It's a Shema embracing love, which is why we read, For God so agaped the world that he gave his only son. He didn't speak about his only son. He acted. He gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If you're here this morning and you've never experienced that agape love, you've never never said, God, I want to receive that agape love, this morning maybe your heart will be open. Maybe you'll be vulnerable this morning to experience love like that, a perfect love, an unconditional love, a sacrificial love. And as we embrace his agape love for us, growing in it, allowing it to affect us, who we are and how we live, we hear this Shema to us. A new commandment I give to you, that you agape one another, just as I have agaped you, that you also to our agape one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you agape for one another. And let all you do be done in agape. Or anyone who does not agape does not know God, because God is agape. Because of Jesus, all can experience God's agape love. And because of Jesus, all can express God's agape love. And this love, this agape love, is actually infused into all the other types of love. And so that in a healthy church, we grow from a selfish to a selfless filet of love. From I need you to help me to we're here growing together with Jesus to make a difference in our city. In our families, we learn that to how to practice a storge love that is a family love that can be healthy even when our families are broken. Even when those relationships are broken. In Eros, this this type of sexual or romantic love that we see in marriage, which is 100% a valid type of love, but it's that outermost ring of love, it can be gracefully filled with agape love to be a love that looks and feels like a love we express, not just want to receive. Agape love fulfills where other loves run short. There is a love when there is no attraction. There is love when there is no family. There is love when we don't perfectly align with our political, moral, spiritual beliefs. There is a love when we risk to become vulnerable and feel pain. God has this love for us when we've been those things to Him. And out of being agape by God, let us grow to love others the way God loves us. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you loved us. And your love for us wasn't just this love that that was spoken or expressed through word or song or art. It was expressed by you manifesting yourself in human form and coming to earth to show us exactly who you are, that you are love, and then we can have that love. And God, as your love is embraced by us, we can be transformed. We can be healed in our brokenness. We can, we can be renewed in who we are so that your love flows through us to others. And then we don't have to try to figure out how to love people because we find them attractive or because we feel an affinity towards them or because they're a part of our family or because they're a part of our band of brothers. We can love because you loved us. We can love purely and perfectly because your love flows through us. We can love those who disagree, who argue argue with us, who actually stand in opposition to us. We can express your perfect love Because you've done that for us when we've done those things to you. Now we thank you for this love. We pray that we will abound in that love that you have for us. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.